In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. We're coming into a hundredth episode and we're about to start big guest season. And I can't take any credit for getting this guest on the show. Jack, this is all you, mate, so you do the intro. Oh, it, it was massive. We saw Daniel Jeremiah coming over to London for the uh, Chargers versus Titans game. And I thought, let's just try our luck and see if we can get him on the show. And he's agreed. So massive thank you, Daniel, for coming on the show. How are you today? I'm doing great. I mean, just for the record, uh, Hansus hasn't done this, right? I mean, he's not really a man of the people. So that's not a surprise that Dan has, you know, has been late to this party. I'll be honest, um, Mark's a good friend of mine, so I don't want anything bad about Mark Sessler on the show, oh, please. Hey, hey, Mark, Mark, Mark and Wes, we're, we're, we're good. It's the other two. It's, you know, it's Rosenthal and Hansus, you know, that's where you got, that's where I got the issue. <laughs> Daniel, I have got one dig to make, though. I tried my hardest to uh, reach out to the Good Morning uh, football show, and they didn't come back to me at all. So oh. I've got a lot of time for you, Daniel, coming on our show. Uh, no, hey, I'm happy to do it, guys. What's, uh, what's going on? Yeah, so um, uh, obviously we want to talk about the Browns. We're a Browns uh, podcast based here in London. So yeah, it'd be good to understand. Um, first of all, how was your trip to London? Oh, it was awesome. Uh, I mean, it was my first time there. So uh, I just had a great time and, and uh, was with uh, my buddy, Matt Money Smith, who does a play-by-play for the Chargers. You guys know from, from NFL Network doing the fantasy show and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and all the other work he does with Damashek and everybody. But uh, we, had a, we had a great time just kind of cruising around, walked around. I think we walked like 10 miles a day, um, just, just checking everything out that we could see. Did the little, uh, the little river cruise underneath the, uh, the London Bridge and all that to go see uh, the sights there. And then the highlight really was, was going to a soccer match, going out and seeing uh, Man United at Chelsea. So that was a lot of fun. I, I'm not, I don't know a lot about soccer, so it was all new to me. And uh, I watched that uh, the All or Nothing series on Manchester City on the way out there, just to try okay. and, trying to learn a little bit about the uh, about the sport. So uh, then to go into a, a soccer match like that where there was uh, such a great atmosphere, I, I kind of was like the it was an aha moment for me of okay, there, there's people all over the globe who are in love with soccer. There's got to be something to it, and uh, getting a chance to go see a match in person, I, I kind of got bit by the bug a little bit. The funny thing is, all three of us were at the same match. Come on. You guys were there? We were, yeah, yeah. And, it was incredible. Uh, if, next time you come over, we're going to take you to a classic Chelsea pub and show you the difference between tailgating and the pub atmosphere. Oh, there you go. There you go. So I was with, I was with Handsome Hank, with, uh, with Henry Hodgson, was, uh, was showing us around. And so he took us, his, his, uh, his family owns a, a couple pubs around there. So we went and had a, a nice little uh, dinner there afterwards. But, man, what a it, – it's so weird to me because in the NFL – you know, you go to these stadiums and they're kind of blocked off and they're set apart or they're downtown. I mean, this was like you're just driving around in a neighborhood or, you know, get off, get off the, uh, the, the, the train there. And I'm like, this is, they must have got off at the wrong spot. This is like a neighborhood. And then all of a sudden there's a stadium just dropped right in the middle of this neighborhood. So it was pretty crazy. 
All right, cool. I don't, I don't want to spend all our show on London, but yeah, tell yeah. us one difference about NFL London, uh, NFL in the States versus a soccer match in London. What, what differences did you uh, experience? Well, it was interesting. They, they never, nothing ever slows down. The thing I liked about the, the soccer match, and I think the NFL will be smart to pay attention to this, is, uh, is with the pace. I mean, you're in and out of there in two hours, basically. Um, yep. And I think with the NFL game and with the attention span of younger people uh, being shorter and shorter, to find ways, innovative ways, where we can have um, you know, ads kind of pop up uh, while the game is being played, or even if the broadcasters were doing you know, reads, uh, advertising reads during the game to, to try and limit the commercial time and, uh, and make everything go a little bit faster. I thought that was one thing that was, uh, was a little different there. I thought soccer's got it right. Did you notice that there is a divide between home and away fans? Oh, my gosh. So in the NFL, if you go to a road game, uh, say like, okay, so I'm going to Seattle this weekend for the, the Chargers-Seahawks game. Cool. If, uh, there'll be some Charger fans scattered amongst the Seahawks fans. You'll see a couple of jerseys here and there. Not at the match that I went to. They had their little pie, their little sliver of fans, and they're all protected. And yeah. then everything else was the Chelsea fans. So they're very much set apart. You didn't see any uh, Manchester United fans kind of scattered among the, uh, the Chelsea fans. That does not happen. Yeah, no. And um, huge rivalry. And um, there's no mixing whatsoever. But yeah, this is an NFL show, so let's get yeah. straight on with the NFL. Go for it. So tell us, we're, we're a Browns podcast. And in the Browns organization right now, who would you most want to go for a drink with? Well, you know what? The funny thing is I don't, I, I don't drink alcohol, so I could go with anybody that wants some iced tea. I'd be willing to go with any of them. But the, uh, look, the, the Browns organization to me – their future hinges on two guys, and that's the, the number one overall picks of the last couple of years when you look at Miles Garrett and Baker Mayfield. And got a chance to know Miles really well coming through the draft process and obviously did all my work on, on Baker, who's, a, who's an interesting guy. So uh, those are going to be the faces of the Cleveland Browns yep. uh, for the next decade. If they're going to get this thing turned around, those are going to be the two key figures. All right, excellent. Daniel, what film would you say most – best describes the Browns this season? Wow. What film best describes them? That's a great question. Um, hmm. I would say what film? Well, I still think the Browns really over the last, gosh, decade has been like major league uh, where they're trying to, uh, trying to pull themselves out of, uh, of a prolonged slump. So you've seen some glimpses of, of hope here and hopefully they get Willie Mays, Hayes, and company, and they can get on a nice, uh, a nice winning streak here to get things turned around. <laughs> okay, cool. And, uh, yeah, just in general, 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, what, what's, what's your current views on the Browns at the moment? Yeah, I mean, look, they've got to figure out how to win. Uh, you know, everybody talks about building a culture and all that kind of stuff, but there's just been so much losing there for so long. Um, you, you've just got to find a way to win close games. They find themselves in all these overtime contests. They've been in a lot of football games. They just have to learn to finish them. So they've made the step from being non-competitive to being competitive. They're absolutely competitive. But now it's finding ways to finish games and finding ways to win games. Um, the, the, the talent on the roster, in my opinion, is better than their record right now. They've got some Correct, yeah. place. So, uh, you know, offensive line-wise, it's been a little bit up and down. Uh, I know Desmond Harrison is, is kind of a little bit of a roller coaster ride in terms of what you're getting there with the, with the rookie left tackle. But, uh, you know, Baker's done a nice job. He'll cut down as he gets, you know, more experience. He'll cut down on the sacks. And I think you'll see 
some more big plays emerge as they get better and more consistent at catching the football. So that would be one thing looking into the offseason. I've got to add some more receivers and get some sure-handed receivers in there. There's just too many drop balls when you watch them each and every week. So it'd be wrong to have you on and not get straight into the draft at some point. Yeah. Um, if the draft was tomorrow, what, what three positions would you say we're most likely to address? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I still think finding another uh, weapon in the passing game for Baker Mayfield would be high on my priority list for the Cleveland Browns. I'm not totally sold on, on Harrison being that left tackle of the future. So if you can find a premier t- offensive tackle, I wouldn't hesitate to look there as well. And then defensively, uh, you know, look, I, I think, you know, Miles Garrett, that decision they had this last year, do you go out and get a Bradley Chubb and pair him with Miles Garrett? They decided to go with the corner, and Denzel Ward's been fantastic. But I think even adding another pass rusher into the mix. I know Jannard Avery's done some nice things, but they could still use – uh, a more help up front uh, getting after the quarterback. And you can't have too many. I mean, you go back and look at the Eagles winning the Super Bowl last year, being able to roll those guys through. Um, so, to, in my opinion, you can never go wrong in a draft that early early on now, looking at this thing out in the future, is loaded with defensive linemen. You can't go wrong in that direction. Thank, thank you. So, it's, it's still early, but as Browns fans, in terms of left tackles, what, what are the players we should be keeping an eye on and hoping that they – the minute is six in the draft, yeah. we'll pick a little bit higher. But, uh. Yeah, I've got a lot of work to do on the offensive line before I can give you a great answer there. You know, I've watched a couple of them. Greg Little's a kid at Old Miss uh, who's big, probably going to end up being a right tackle uh, when it's all said and done. Jonah Williams for Alabama, I think, is probably going to end up kicking inside and playing guard at the next level. Uh, so, you know, I, I'll, get, I'll get a good answer for you here probably as we get to the uh, first of the year. I'll have my, my initial top 50 list will come out. I think it's January 14th. But really, for me, the calendar flips. Uh, once we get towards Thanksgiving, which is the you know, 24th or wherever in, uh, in uh, November, that's when a lot of my focus shifts from, from doing my day-to-day NFL stuff to really grinding on these college kids. And, uh, and that's when I'll have a better answer for you there. But early, early on, talking to folks around the league, uh, personnel buddies, I don't know that there's a, a premier uh, left tackle prospect in the draft. There's, there's one name that keeps coming up with Cleveland's fans, and that's uh, Nick Bosa. Do you think there's any chance that the Browns are going to be able to get him, especially if we're around six? I don't see it. I, I can't see him falling that far. I mean, the two most important positions when you go into a draft for any organization, you start at quarterback, number one, and number two for most teams is pass rusher. So, um, you know, I. I would be shocked if he was not one of the first few picks in this draft. I think he's outstanding, as, as good as his brother's been. Uh, I think Nick's even maybe a little bit more polished than Joey was coming out of college. So uh, he's, he's a phenomenal player. And Deciding to, to take the rest of the, the time this year to get healthy and not coming back to Ohio State, I would imagine he'll show up at Indianapolis uh, ready to rock and roll. And, uh, I, man, at pick number six, if, if Nick Bose is there, the next time we go to England, dinner's on me. Wow, you heard it here first. It's an exclusive. <laughs> um, but, on the go on, as well, um, a name that's been floated around, and depending on who you speak to, there's either a lot of love or not much love for him, is Ed Oliver. Um, yeah. What's sort of your early views on him? Yeah, and look, he's a, he's a good player. I think he's a little bit out of position uh, when you watch him at Houston. They play him right over the ball, and to me, he's an ideal three technique. We had him on, uh, on the Move the Six podcast a little while back, 
And I asked him about that, you know, where do you prefer to play? And he gave me kind of the, well, I'll play anywhere, but I really like playing in that three technique spot, which puts him out over the guard. And I think that's where he can be his most dynamic self. He's just, you know, he's not a huge guy. He's going to be a little bit over six feet tall. He's playing right now, you know, according to, to, to guys in the league, he's playing in the low 270s. Uh, so he'll need to get a little bit a little bit bigger there. And it'll be interesting to see just how long he is, how long are his arms, all that good stuff. But um, I don't think – I know some people have talked about him maybe being a first overall pick type guy. I don't think that's him. I think probably you're talking about in that, you know, bottom part of the top ten in that range, just my early, my early look at it. But uh, he's a real dynamic player. Um, who would man with 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 Larry Ogunjobi and uh, and Miles Garrett? That wouldn't be a bad guy to put in between those two. Oh, that, that would it, it's the one thing you need on that line. You've got Ogbert's shown flashes and still sort of coming yeah. back. Avery's obviously been a bright light, but Garrett Ogunjobi and getting Ogunjobi a friend has been a. Uh, Ogunjobi is. I mean, getting ready for that game when the Chargers went over there and studying that team. He was the one guy that really stood out to me, and I knew he was a he was a good player coming out of college at UNC Charlotte. And I know I you know I've heard he's played well and seen highlights, but when you really study him down in and down out, he is one of the better interior defensive players in the NFL, and nobody really talks about him uh, like that. So he was one of the pleasant surprises when I studied that team. Yeah, it was weird watching like Brown's Twitter last year was just shouting after every game of why can he not be on the field more, and yeah. uh, then sort of the start of this season it was right. Been. And one more position just to ask you on some names at wide receiver because uh, that's obviously a big need for the Browns. Everyone keeps getting injured. Um, who's out there? Well, when you look at the draft next year, um, you know, I don't know that there's a, a top 10 type guy. I, don't, I haven't seen a, a Mike Williams uh, caliber player so far in studying these guys. But you've got some interesting names. You've got Ole Miss has a couple of receivers that are big and physical. Uh, DK Metcalf's been hurt, but he is a specimen. Uh, and he's somebody that definitely will keep an eye on. We'll see what he does. Wait and see who all declares in the group. Nikhil Harry, the kid from Arizona State, I don't think he's going to run particularly fast, but he is big and physical. And uh, coming off actually a big game last week against USC, a long punt return for a touchdown, uh, a long touchdown catch in that game. So he'd be somebody to keep an eye on. And then if you just want pure speed, uh, you know, go watch Oklahoma. And then that kid, oh, Hollywood Brown can't fly, Marquise Brown. So. Uh, he'd be fun. He'd be, to me, obviously, Baker Mayfield's got a good relationship with him and knows everything that he can do. That wouldn't be a bad pairing. So the Browns coaching search has now officially begun. Um, yep. Over the Moon is finally here. Um, you don't want to see anyone get sacked, but it's been a painful uh, start to the season. Um, what sort of names out there would you like to see? Well, you know, a lot of times you look in offensive guys, you're trying to find somebody that can help develop your, your young quarterback. And uh, when you talk about you know, bringing in a defensive guy, the problem with that is even if the defensive coach can say, look, I've got, you know, this young, bright mind coming with me as an offensive coordinator, that, that's great. But if he's as good as you're advertising him to be, after a year, he's going to get a head coaching job somewhere else and you're having to start all over again uh, with someone. So I would think offensive coach is probably the direction uh, that they would be looking at. Um, the, the challenge is, you know, who are those names at the NFL level? I know Filippo is a name that's been thrown out there a little bit, uh, who's with the Minnesota now, who had been, uh, you know, obviously previously had some time there with the Cleveland Browns. So uh, that's a name that, that you've seen tossed around. The, the, the McCarthy scenario is fascinating to me. If he were to get let go in Green Bay, if they don't make it to the postseason and Mike McCarthy's let go, 
I could see that making sense, obviously, with John Dorsey's ties with the Packers. Um, another veteran coach that I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't poo-poo at this point in time would be John Harbaugh. You know, inside the division, if they don't make the postseason, I believe that would make it, what, four out of the last five years or something like that, that the Ravens had not gone to the postseason. So he could be in, uh, in some trouble there. Who's a, you know, somebody that's got a long track record winning a lot of games. So he'd be a, kind of one of those veteran guys I'd keep an eye on. And I'm sure, I'm sure they'll kick the tires on some of the college coaches. You know, David Shaw from Stanford, would he be interested in taking that job? I don't think he would. Um, you know, Lincoln Riley will be the first phone call that will get made. But uh, I don't anticipate he's going to leave the cushy gig he's got there at Oklahoma. So uh, it, it'll be fascinating to see which, which names end up emerging out of the group. And then looking at the other side of uh, the teams, in, the, the front, in terms of front offices, there's a name that gets floated every year as a potential GM candidate. Are you ever going to take a GM job anytime soon? <laughs> no, I tell you what, I've got it pretty good right now, man. We've got, uh, I've got my kids growing up here and, and we're happy. And, and I've got my oldest son as a freshman in high school and uh, he's doing well here playing for his high school team. So uh, we're pretty happy. It would take something pretty unique to, uh, to, to get me to leave what I've got going here. So I've been pretty fortunate, pretty blessed to have this job. So I'm not actively looking. I always, I always uh, listen when, you know, when people talk to you, but uh, it would take something pretty extraordinary. Uh, excellent. And uh, I was, DJ, gonna, I was by the way, guys, I was going to go, I was going to go Greg Williams on you and say, you know, I've been offered 11 jobs. Uh, four of them said I could be the general manager without even interviewing. They would, they would just fax me the contract, sign it and send it back. But you know, I didn't know if you guys would buy that. No. We're going to have to find a team right down the road from you that needs a GM. And when, when that moment happens, uh, you won't even have to move. Uh, the, the problem with that is that the only two teams that are anywhere close to me are, uh, are the Rams and the Chargers, who are both extremely well run. And, uh, and I like both those guys a lot. So I'm, I'm real happy that, uh, that those teams are rolling. So I, I, trust me, I'm gonna be, I'll be at NFL Network for a little while now. Uh, Daniel, how do you feel about the Rams moving to Vegas? Oh, with the Raiders? Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I mean, it looks like the stadium's going to be beautiful there. Right? The Raiders are probably the one team that would, uh, that would make sense and work there just because I could see that being, uh, you know, kind of a, not necessarily all the Vegas people going to the games, which they'll have the, the big money there to fill up the suites. I get that. But the fan base, I could see if you're a Raider fan, they're all over the country. You're a Raider fan in Nashville – you kind of mark out a game and say, we're going to go to Las Vegas. You can spend the weekend there and, and kind of culminate it by hitting up the Raider game. I think you'll see Raider fans from all over the country kind of convene in Las Vegas for their games on the weekend. So I think that's, uh, that's one of the teams where it could work there in Las Vegas. If, if the Rams head to uh, LA and that, that goes really well, there's questions the Chargers move might not go as well. Can we have them in London? Because <laughs> it's better than watching Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, look, I, I don't think so. I don't think the Chargers are going anywhere. I think you're going to be here in, uh, in Los Angeles for a while now. But uh, I'll tell you what, I, hats off to the fans, though, in London. There were a lot of Charger fans at the game uh, against the Tennessee Titans, and it was a, it was a great turnout shoot. There was 85,000 people. I didn't see the, uh, the final tally there for the Eagles, for the Eagles game. Uh, but, uh, man, it looked, it looked great on television. The, f the fans were all in. I guess they just announced, right, four games there? Four games That's there? That's correct, yeah. Two so, in uh... – Two in Wembley and two at Spurs. Okay, yeah, with Tottenham. How is that new stadium uh, coming along? <laughs> it's going about as well as a rebuilding as uh, what's been a disaster, sort of. Let's take <laughs> Hugh Jackson's coaching tenure. Oh, boy. It has not gone smoothly, apparently. Yeah. Huh? 
No, it's been really bad. It hasn't even opened. It missed the NFL game, and uh, Tottenham Hotspurs are actually still playing at Wembley. Wow. So um, they had to play on Monday after the Wembley game, and uh, on the on the soccer pitch they had NFL written all over it. So it's a bit of a joke here in uh, England. Yeah, that did not go over well. No, it didn't. No, uh, I was in my I was in the office today, and the guys came over to me and said, "Look, Paul, you got to stop calling it soccer." You know, you're in London. You call it football. So, um, yeah. All right, good. I've got. I, you know, I, I probably should have done that even when I was over there. But I, my big thing was just being able to remember to say match instead of game. So I was just proud of myself for saying soccer match instead of soccer game. So I was. That's. I still got to start working on calling it football over there, though. Daniel, I struggle with the, the word manager. I call the he- uh, the coach manager, and Jack's yeah. looking at me saying. That's the GM. You can't call him manager. So <laughs> I struggle all the time. So oh, there you go. Daniel, I'm keeping an eye on the time. Some quick questions for you. Uh, how many wins do you think the Browns will get this season? Well, I think I said before the year, I, I said I'd give five or six. So I, I, won't, uh, I won't come off that. I know they've got some, some tough games up ahead, but I could definitely see them, you know, kind of being in that five or six range. Yeah, okay, great. And, um, Whenever we have a guest on the show, we always like something a bit crazy, a real crazy hot take for the Browns. So, Daniel, we're asking you, what's your very, very hot take for the Browns this year? And we want something crazy. Yeah, a crazy hot take for the Browns. All right, uh, let me see here. Crazy hot take. Uh, Well, it's kind of a hot take because he's dropped so many balls, but I'll tell you that uh, that Antonio Callaway – before the end of the season, we'll have a 10-catch, 160-yard-type game. Antonio Callaway will have one you know, blow-your-doors-off game where everybody will just be like, where in the world did that come from? He's going to have a game where he actually catches some of these deep balls and he's going to pile up some big numbers. When you find out what that game is, can you tell me just before? So I can <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I could, I'd be a rich man. <laughs> And I, and I guarantee you he's going to get some sort of vehicle, p- uh, police, ticket the next day. He's yeah. had more police, policing driving fines than anyone else. I know. People, people I, well, it's been an interesting week in the NFL for, uh, for driving situations, that's for sure. Yeah. And Daniel, um, any dates when you're in Cleveland next? I don't know. You know, I'm doing all these Charger games, so that, uh, that, that picks up my weekend. So, you know, obviously the Chargers went out there this year. We'll see in the future. Uh, when they end up going back there. So you were at the um, Cleveland Chargers game as well? Yep, yep, I was there for that one. So that one, uh, you know, Russell Okun was just a little bit early on that, <laughs> uh, on that long touchdown pass. But uh, it was a game for a little bit, and then Phillip Rivers got hot, and then it got away from the Browns a little bit. So I don't know who's stalking who, but I was also at the Cleveland Chargers game. Come on. Then we're at the Manu. Uh, Chelsea game and then we're at Wembley together and we don't meet this is getting a bit weird I don't know I don't know where your location is right now but my son's my son's got a high school playoff game tomorrow night if I see you at the high school playoff game uh, tomorrow at Linfield Christian then I'm gonna know that something's going on here all right great and if I see you at the Chelsea game this Saturday you're stalking me okay there you go all right Jack I'll let you finish up but no, you're going to have a good season with the Chargers. My friend who's only just got into the NFL asked for me two teams for him to bet on from each conference to keep an eye on with decent enough odds. And I told him Saints and Chargers. And uh, he's having a good year so far and the odds are well in his favour. But uh, no, thank you so much for coming on the show. 
just massive guests and thank you for the chat. Where can people find you? I'm amazed if there's anyone listening that's not following you on Twitter, but uh, drop your Twitter handle, podcasts. Yeah. No, look, I appreciate it. It's been fun talking with you guys. It's uh, it's just the, the podcast is the Move the Six podcast. It's me and my partner, Bucky Brooks. We're both uh, longtime NFL scouts. Bucky played in the league, actually played on both sides of the ball. So he's one of the one of the few guys in NFL history that's, that's played on both sides of the ball. We talk about the NFL stuff. We talk about the draft. Uh, we have college, top college players in the country who will come on and join the show as well. So we've got that going on. You can find all the videos that we do. We preview a lot of NFL games. Uh, that's nfl.com slash MTS video or on the on the NFL YouTube channel. You'll find it on there uh, as well. And then uh, I know I'm sure you guys all uh, listen to Around the NFL. And, and I like to have a lot of fun with those guys. And uh, we kind of poke the bear a little bit. But they are they are all great dudes and uh, we're good buddies. So if, if you like the Around the NFL podcast, I think you'll, uh, you'll enjoy ours as well. Excellent. I appreciate right. you guys. All right, Daniel, thank you so much for your time. And we finish up by saying change is now happening at the Browns. There you go. We've got some change. We'll see who the next coach is going to be, and hopefully they, uh, they get this thing turned around. Come on.